Hi, I'm the decrepit Skeletor figure at the back of the gay bar telling 23-year-olds that they're aging twinks. It's Condé Nasty. And I'm still standing at the bar waiting for my first drink. It's Ursula the Sea Bitch. And this is Reading Drag Race, the show where we talk about whatever we want. But mostly RuPaul's Drag Race. Hey, Ursula, how are you? I'm good. My, my life is now just the slow stream of photos off of that Gucci movie set of Lady Gaga wearing a bunch of 80s rich bitch Italian fashion. And it's really what I need to get me through this uh, home stretch of the pandemic. I'm so glad that I twisted your arm to get you onto Instagram a couple years ago. And <laughs> you're spending so much less time hating life on Twitter. So, Yeah, just... Well, I mean, I'm a child of the 80s, so my favorite Madonna video is the Like a Prayer video. So I have this, like, real emotional response to any time my controversial Italian pop star goes brunette. It just makes me feel grounded. It's like I'm here to do the more powerful magic. And I, I, Bitch, that resonates with me. Go on, preach. <laughs> just every single picture of her playfully tweaking Adam Driver's nose or wearing some insane blazer. Just... I, this movie could be the worst piece of cinema in the history of the medium, but I don't care. Yeah, I was my about to say, will... you're not going to care. <laughs> my ass, well, this might be the first... It's either going to be this or the Candyman remake that's going to be my first in-person movie. One of those two. <laughs> that that all tracks. Well, I'm, I'm happy to see you are here today in full form. Um, <laughs> and with us, we have a special guest this week. She's an angel of death, but she only gives us life... Please welcome Valkyrie. Oh, so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. Um, we are thrilled to have you. Hopefully there's enough to talk about on this boring episode to fill up the <laughs> podcast. I definitely think there is because the season and the cast overall are fun to ruminate on. But I'll give you that the episode itself was was a lackluster. A little inert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Valkyrie, I do kind of want to check in with you. We haven't had you since early in the season. What are your thoughts on the season thus far as we're wrapping up? I've enjoyed it. I thought there were a lot of really strong contenders. And I don't know if it's just like the increased number of episodes or what, but it it seems very produced and predictable. And so part of the joy isn't in there for me anymore. Because like for the last month, I basically known the top four was going to be the top four. And it was just a matter of, crossing people off the list so that is my like big negative over the season is is the and i every season's produced I'm, I'm not saying it's rigged it's just with more seasons i think there's more opportunities to spot where some of that may have been yeah. and more times to speculate where the producers might have popped in and that just is kind of clouding the season right now i to- i totally get that i think part of it is also you, it's it's not just when it's being produced, it's when you can see the fingerprints and stuff like, like Denali and Tina's exits just felt like they were decided somewhere other than on that stage. Uh, it, I've been I've been skimming through absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've been skimming through five, six, and seven, which also benefit from being just shorter fucking seasons. I think a lot of the production would feel less produced if it weren't like dragged out to about almost double its normal length. Um. And even like this week's episode, which I agree was a little listless, would have actually been sweet if it were the breath in the middle of a shorter season. If this were like an eight or nine episode season, we had our top four, and this were the episode where it's like, oh, they're real people who have a real relationship with each other, and they're actually all kind of at least nice people. Um, that would have been the nice breather to let like let them shine before the finale. Here it's like, we've... And by design, and it's fine, and I generally like it, but we've gotten to know these queens pretty well. Like, Yeah, no, it was it was repetitive. Almost everything was repetitive at this yeah. point. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I do think production has gotten a... Like, your, your overall point is right. I do think production has gotten a lot more like... I feel like you put an order of elimination for these girls, and then we're going to send them home no matter what. Denali and Tina's episodes were ones in particular where it was like, this does not... Like, you could have sent them home on other episodes. They will fuck up. They're not perfect. It's It almost feels like it had to be this episode. And I think that really works against the production team yeah. in terms of it feeling compelling. I honestly yeah. feel like... I know it's produced. I know in a lot of ways it's biased and unfair and subjective. But I do think if they were tried to be a little more 
reasonable. They'd end up with largely the same, in terms of who's actually in the bottom two and going home, they'd end up with largely the same outcomes and a show that made more sense. Like, the viewers would be less pissed. Yeah, if you sent Tina home one episode earlier and Denali one episode later, you'd still have this final four and it would feel yeah. just much more credible. That No, and that's the thing is, like, I, the weird thing is it feels like they're working against themselves and they'd be just better served to yeah. play it out a little more naturally. But whatever. I mean, we've said that before on this podcast. Yeah. I don't want to be too repetitive. No, and I'll, and I'll say this. I, th- well, I just knocked out uh, season two of UK, which I did really enjoy. Um, and all of the, you know, uh, international seasons really have, like, a little more jolt to them, even for Rue herself. Like, that first UK season, we were clocking, like, wow, she seems really to be bringing her A-game again and seemed really to be re-energized by this season. Right. And as, and I, as I'm sitting here trying to imagine what's different about the international seasons... It's at least the judging panel. Totally. I, I love Ross to pieces. I like Carson a great deal. I even like Michelle Visage in very many ways. But honestly, seeing just a different set of faces with a different set of priorities has changed, makes those, just shakes the box a little bit. Um, they really need to loop in, like, Nicole Byer or some, just another permanent rotating host. Yes, I agree. I agree. Valkyrie, can I ask, is there anybody from this season that you wish you saw more of or would like to see in an All-Stars? I mean, I know I agree with you that it's too long. I feel like I've forgotten what happened at the top of the series. But who from this season would you like to see more of in the future, I guess, is what I'm really asking. Uh, I mean, I I have to say the Chicago girls, even though Kamora okay. went home first. I like She is amazing, and I stand Denali and everything she did. Um... Also, I'm a Minnesota boy, and while Utica kind of went off the rails at the end, I still love Utica. Oh, totally. And I'm excited totally. to see how she grows and how her drag evolves now that... Because I kind of get the a feeling that Utica might be a little more sheltered than most people, and that oh, having this opportunity to travel and see more of the country and more of the world is going to do interesting and amazing things to Utica that I can't wait to see. I also hope she gets some uh, time on, you know, better help with a therapist who can help her work through. It's okay if people are mad at you. It's not the end of the world because I, her her weird pathological, not weird, her understandable pathological fear of people not liking her kind of is what pushed her into doing a bunch of things that made people actually not like her. Um, so that I want her to get her arms around that because especially if you're going to be a performer in the age of the internet... You, you you need to be able to very quickly and firmly set aside comments that don't have anything to do with you. Yeah, um, I, I'm also interested to see where Utica goes. I don't know if Utica displayed the capacity to meaningfully contextualize constructive input from other people or the world at large. So we'll see, but I am excited to see where her drag goes. I agree with you on the Chicago girls. I do, I do feel like What's funny is I feel like what made Kimora Hall stand out the most and make me want to see her so much is that she was such a classics retro look queen, but of her own volition. And there felt something fresh about the way she did it. And Denali, I think, was a great performer who had a not up to snuff wardrobe. I do think if Denali went in there with Kimora Hall's wardrobe, she would be an unbeatable transformer drag, <laughs> drag race contestant. Like just uh, category is Voltron. I love yeah, it. Um... exactly. <laughs> um, I so... also really want to see an early out season. So skip All Stars one year. Me too. Oh my god, this girl, this you're singing my song. I yeah, want an I... early out season. Go on, sorry. Like, yeah, but like. Take the top, the first three girls who are out of every season, pick your 12. Uh, I'd like Layla McQueen, uh, Kimora, like, there were so many amazing fun ones. There really were. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think particularly, like, the ones where they've been off for, like, at least four years that have, like, from what we can tell, have grown a ton would be great. Like, I would like to see an early off season where they mindfully pick those three and, or those, uh, those 12, because I, I honestly think it would be... And they make a point to edit it in a way that isn't, like, too mean to them about, like, oh, you really fucked up in this way early on. Because I do think it could be a phenomenal season. Yeah, and uh, Shangela and Vanjie could host. 
Ding, 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 honey. (laughs) All right, so let's get into this season. Um, So, or this episode, rather. So we're covering RuPaul's Drag Race season 13, episode 14, I believe. Yes, yes. Olivia Lux goes home and the girls walk back into the workroom and discuss wins and being in the top four and what's happening now. Um, What did you guys think of this? Valkyrie, what did you think of this little moment, this little roundup moment? It was fine. I I don't really think anything struck a chord. I I feel like clearly judging is on a different platform and I don't think it's going to matter who has one win, who has four wins that um like i feel like those stakes meant something in other seasons that they just don't carry the same weight right now i agree i agree with that um i do feel like rue loves a misdirect too so the whole so is it a top three or is it a top four we don't know we're just like the like we're all disoriented in covid so i rue's gonna really play with that what is the format um i was like there's no way it's not just a top four again I had a little bit of hope it was going to be a top two. I wanted them to be like, we're, we're going to go all out. We realize it's become predictable and cookie cutter. We're just going to make it a top two for the first time going into yeah, the finale. That would be great. It is a top two. I mean, I don't think I've spoken to anyone who doesn't think that it's, it's basically Simone's the favored winner, but if she loses, it'll be the Gottmik. I don't think, I don't think I've seen a single actual take that was not, that opinion i held out hope for about the first 10 12 minutes of the episode that it was going to be a top three or at least possible it would be a top three but when they skipped rehearsal entirely when the video was so clearly consistently produced in every single way i'm like well there's you've literally gone out of your way to make sure there is no basis for even the viewer let alone the judge to say Oh, yeah, no, they, they they weirdly, like, had it as a gag when they were telegraphing all episode. It was just going to be another top four. Yeah. Which, I'll admit, I hate that it's top four. I'm not crazy about it. The lip syncs off, I'm a little, like, it was a fun mix, but I'm, like, at one point, but, eh. Um, top four is too many. I want either a top three or a top two, but that's yeah. me. Top I... four feels so, like, nebulous. Like, what is this crowded feel? I think top four worked when they were queens who got to the top four and never had to lip sync for their life. And so it made us see what their lip syncing skills were. When you start a season where everyone lip syncing, this now feels unneeded. Yeah. um, And just you're drawing it out even more. Yep. um, For no real reason. All of that. Yes. Um, so, so Rue comes into the workroom and announces that it's a girl group challenge, as, as I think we all knew, coming in for this song, Lucky, um, which everybody seemed to be like, I really like this song. I was not crazy about this song. I um, actively disliked this song. It and felt I, really, like, designed for 12-year-old girls watching Drag Race. Yeah, I was like, this isn't even, like, a dance remix. Not even remix. 12, like, 9. 9-year-old nine no, yeah. girls watching Drag Race. Yeah, th- this wasn't even, like, a dance remix of, like, a surf rock 60s pop number. It was just, like, a warmed-over 60s beach pop number. And it was, like, I-, I disliked it so much, I literally had to, like, watch it again the next day to be like, am I the bitch? Um... And the I answer just... is yes, but also yes, that it's bad. No, I, I feel like JoJo Siwan passed on recording this, and then they gave it to RuPaul. And even Ru's presence in the... Like, I get it's COVID, so they're not going to do the same production shtick as, like, a normal video. And it's not like Ru's ever been more than just standing in front of a green screen anyway, but, like... I don't know. There was something about the way they, they like pasted Rue's head into the video that felt very cheap. Like I I feel like one of those nine year old girls with their parents' laptop could have produced a more thoroughly realized video. I mean, I think some of the like eighties quality of it was like part of the intentional aesthetic, but whether or not that was the choice I would have made, whatever. I just, whatever about the video the song itself i feel like set the set the pace for the video and the song was lackluster at yes ag- agreed it's it's yeah i loved the uh the destiny's child music video feel of them all in what wasn't that destiny's child where they're all in rooms yeah, monochromatic rooms yeah it, it, the video, you're thinking of the video for say your uh, say my name yes. yeah there we go i loved that 
and uh like production wise that video was very in- enjoyable um and yeah. made all the spots i wanted from this but like the song and i even wasn't thrilled with any of the verses like they did what they needed to do but i i don't think there's any like read you wrote you yeah you know what i was this. just about to say let's let's just like this is a scattered episode for a lackluster episode i was gonna try to be a little chronological but fuck that um Let's just get into the verses. I I felt like nobody had an earworm. It was definitely not Read You, Wrote You. Roxy Andrews is simple as I'm Roxy Andrews and I'm here to make it clear. It's a memorable earworm. And then the other verses were just great. It was, they were all underwhelming to me. And I did not expect Rosé to be underwhelming too, but she was. And... But I do feel like Gottmik had real stage power and performance in her oh, yeah. actual Gottmik dance. Oh yeah, Gottmik stood out in terms of like presentation. But when I, when I heard those verses, I I literally thought to myself, I honestly doubt if any of them wrote any of them. Like part they, the the verses were also kind of uniformly bland. I kind of wondered if they were just handed to them. God, I hope not. They were so bland, um, and I don't even think it was about the words. It was also about the like, is this an audible earworm that like like is well randomly be like i'm roxy andrews and i'm here to make it clear like that's not going to happen with any of these right and like that was very clear in production like even rose's rap it's like you needed to do that for at least twice the length before we're gonna say you were really good at rapping i'm sorry just i don't know like yeah visually i think it was great everyone looked amazing candy looked amazing like rose's makeup was bad this episode altogether especially in the music video she never looked so much like a man in a wig which whatever that says a lot yeah <laughs> but yeah that that whole that whole operation like maybe part of my disconnect was the feel like when you when they jump right to the finished product of the video with no intermediate steps and none of them clearly styled themselves it was kind of like oh so this this is not being used to make decisions they are just doing a thing you told them to do and they're doing it like the professionals they are which is fine right. but it did make it hard to latch on to- um, totally so. totally i i mean if it was a good song if they had any good verses whatever i did like it visually yeah uh, um all right so do we want to get at all into the rehearsal or the uh or the interviews Okay, I'll say this about the interviews. They did crack me up by and large, and I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm not saying Gottmik is going to win. I'm saying if Gottmik does win, it was in that chair that, that he secured it. Um, there was something about that. It, like, the way he had RuPaul losing his goddamn mind. Yeah. Um, and they made a great point about Gottmik's whole arc. There is something just, like, fun and light about Gottmik's performances. I completely agree. Like, like, where it feels like Gottmik... I'm a little like, are you sure you don't have more performance background prior to this? Because watching Gottmik this season, it feels like a relaxed, effortless, I'm just going to try and have fun doing it and think about what I can and can't do well, like a fairly intelligent person. And if I'm honest, if if I were judging this season, Gottmik was either would have taken wins that other people got or was solidly in second place for several challenges yeah. of a diverse array. Like for me, Gottmik did extremely well in the Rusical as the Russian in the roast. I mean, to me, Gottmik was at least number two, if not number one of the roast. Um, and oh, there was a third I had in mind, but like, I just, I do think Gottmik has been so effortless and has clearly like grown a lot and is fully in the spirit at, of I'm just trying and within that trying to grow as a performer there. And that's like what Rue wants and making Rue laugh. So like, I agree with you. I think in a lot of ways that conversation char- made Gottmik so charming to the judges and the audience and really solidified a storyline. Yeah. And especially as, the, especially as the show has transitioned into this, like, you know, psych 101 inner saboteur conversation the winning queens tend to have at least a thread of a real heavy storyline where there's, you know, there's something they're overcoming. There's some, like, we have to take it very seriously. And especially for the first trans man contestant, it's so lovely to see that not be like, Gottmik's story is not a burden to Gottmik. No. 
And that's lovely to watch because it's just fun. It's like, it made me think of like, I think it was Santino's season of Project Runway where someone was mocking the other contestants just chanting, lighten up, it's just fashion. And I kind of want to say that to some of these, you're a drag queen. You 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 do this a lot. You should at least have some fun. Like relax and and have fun with it. Yes. And Gottmik is having a ball and then so am I. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I was really worried how Gottmik was going to be portrayed, given <laughs> the history of the show. That I was like, are, are the, is she just going to be an early out? Um, are are they going to pull that weird tragic story and make it something that it isn't? And like to have that not happen shows real growth on the show itself. And I'm hoping yeah, totally. on RuPaul itself. And it totally. was so refreshing to to get this true portrait and not a caricature of yeah a, of a queen in general, not to mention a trans male queen. I agree completely. I think they did not put the burden of the trans experience as like a really serious or tragic thing on Gottmik. It was much more of a joyous story of self-actualization told authentically and not in a forced way and not like made to be like a burden to bear for us to watch and i do think rue has changed in terms of pov on these issues and is making a point to communicate that in a lot of ways um and i appreciate that and i appreciate the show doing that i honestly wish that I mean, a little bit of the, like, and relax about it. Like, some, you know, I feel like sometimes the stories where it was like, and it was really hard, can just be, and that's what my life has been like. Like, it doesn't have to have, like, a violin background moment always yeah. when it's a tough hurdle in somebody's past. I, I will say I did enjoy that Gottmik was like, I'm obsessed with Jamal. I was like, honey... You and me both. Get in line. Take a number. Yeah, <laughs> truly. Like, he's so sexy. He's so sexy whenever they do the rehearsals. There's not much to note from it. I just enjoyed that moment. Was there anything else in any of the interviews that either of you... That I, stood out to either of you? There we go. It Words. felt like they pulled punches. Like, I feel like a lot of the interviews in, in the past like that really asked a difficult question, dug in, like, wanted to almost forced the the queens to talk about bad things and and pearl. um and learn traumatizing like pearl. yeah Re- like re-traumatizing pearl this was kind of like here's a chance to learn something new or share something we don't know about yourself yet and i didn't see any of that in these interviews it just felt like let's show again who these queens are that we already know so well and not really add anything to that conversation I agree with that, but I also think, to Hersla's earlier point, I think they the season is so long and there's so much built in, like, mirror time, tell me about this, a special moment, like, that's just, like, clearly part of the script now, that it feels like by the time we're here, anything they're talking about is something we've already heard a little bit. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, in a normal season, we wouldn't have gotten this much story time with the queens, and this actually could have been a bit of a revelation or an insight. It's... I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you, Valkyrie. I'm just saying, I feel like it's, yeah. it's both. Like, it's like, we've also got a lot of background on them. Yeah. I, I guess it also just feels like a missed opportunity. Like yeah. that is yeah, built that in for sense. a reason that has, that is still here after seasons and seasons because it added something. Yeah. This didn't add anything to me. And not that I need a tragic story, but like I wanted to move forward somehow. Yeah. And not just I did. be like, we did it, check. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. I do feel like with Rosé's, it's like, I had a he- happy, healthy, well-adjusted family that loved and supported me, and I'm not, and there was no, like, pretending anything else. Um, I did like that with Simone, it was like, there are so many ways in which I'm fierce as this character, but then there are other parts of me that are anxious and self-conscious, and Rue saying, you can, that strength is available to you out of drag. You just don't know it like it's the wizard of oz story you've you've had it inside you all along you just didn't know it and grew loves to come back to that and there is a certain beautiful truth to that um and seeing it again said to simone was nice but it was all things we've heard rue and simone say before put together again um i did enjoy candy muses because 
Okay. And this is just, we'll get, let's get into it. So I've said before on this podcast that I feel like the judges have like a thing for her Bronx accent. She's a personality type that they tend to gravitate towards. And at a certain point, like Candy was essentially eliminated, but Rue was like, no, I'm not ready for you to leave. And this show is the only rule is Rue makes the rules. So Rue, you know, Candy's not leaving. And I don't think they were judging Candy fairly at all, so I stopped kind of paying attention. But I will say, I do feel like Candy tries harder than anybody, is willing to give you experimental silhouettes, is bad or not knowledgeable about a lot of things that comes up, but tries her best. And I do feel like on some level, I see her trying harder than anyone. Um, I think it was Meatball who famously said that, like, his favorite thing about Candy Muse is Candy Muse conducts herself like she doesn't know she's fat. So she'll just wear like a skimpy lingerie thing. And there's something sort of beautiful about the fantasy and delusion of Candy Muse. And I feel like on some level, Candy showed a self-awareness of that in the interview that I didn't expect to feel so... I didn't expect Candy to make it to the top four and I didn't expect to feel so... You know what, bitch? I see you about it. Um, do you have any thoughts on this, Valkyrie? I'm basically asking for a response. You can read me the filth. You can be like, you're wrong. But... No, like, there, there is a point about her kind of challenging what would be expected of her as a bigger queen. Yeah. Um, but I also, like, I guess... She's done that in her actions. I haven't, or her like choices. I haven't seen any of that in like her comments or interactions on the show that she she's trying to evolve or question or or do any of that. She comes off as being very like, "This is me. I've accepted it. Warts and all. Deal with it." And and I, I guess I still don't know where that personal growth was for Candy in this season. Um, okay. And I don't know, like, if she has, like, from episode one, she seems to be the same person as in as in this episode because she was very sure of herself coming in. Oh wow! Okay. Very confident, and it's just the same, and like made bad fashion choices throughout the entire season. Okay, I I definitely see. I see a much rosier picture of Candy. I I'll give Candy one example. She really was channeling Brooke Hogan trying to ask, act modest in the Bossy Rossi challenge. And I think that was totally her trying to like flip her candyisms and do something almost the opposite and still manage to wring some comedy out of it. And it, it wasn't like she didn't win the challenge, but it was, she did a good job. She succeeded at that. And she tried in particular because it was kind of the exact opposite of what she normally does in terms of comedy. And I feel like I see a lot of small choices like that being made by Candy. Yes, I think she's defensive, but I do think she is trying. And I do think a lot of the clothes that she came with is like high fashion conceptual stuff that friends of friends got her and she's trying to make it work. But I think her willingness to try a bunch of different silhouettes is commendable, even if they don't all work. I completely agree about the fashion, but all that fashion choice happened before she was on the season. And I agree. after Bossy Rossi, that thread didn't continue for me she went okay. back to being candy for the rest of the episodes okay so next we take it to the runway and do do either of you remember was there an explicit category or is this just like it was drag the, it was drag excellence whatever the category is at the end when it's like basically give us your pageant drag yeah like your most pageanty pageant drag essentially so the first look we have coming down the runway is Gottmik in this spotted high fashion Cruella de Vil number. Valkyrie, what did you think? I had a negative reaction to the wig when it first turned the corner. Like, I felt like I didn't need to go in the dog route, and I didn't know if I liked that. But by the time Gottmik was done with the runway, I was very happy with the look and, like, resolved my own issues with the wig and thought it was... It was good. And I like my favorite part was how uh in the her eye that was not painted white, it was like rainbow and amazing and glitter and the other eye was just Beautiful. boring and black and like that detail 
I loved more so than I think is logically allowable, but I was just like the flesh genius. cutouts and the the makeup in the flesh cutouts most most notably the eye thing that you just noted was like stunning. It was a perfect choice. It could not have been more perfect. And it was so was... it was so perfectly executed. Like yes. like it, it, the even the black dot in the wig was perfectly done. Like it had sharp borders, which you figure would be yeah. real easy to lose. What got I loved totally. it. I loved it front to back. And then when I noticed when she was walking back down the runway that some of the circles on the dress were cut out, revealing skin. Yeah. I like ah oh God. I just uh, turn this dress into a lotion so I can rub it into my face. Just. This is honestly one of my favorite looks ever in the history of Drag Race. Um, I think it was so brilliantly and effortlessly done. Um, I think the thing about Gottmik, and I've said this before, is Gottmik is taking these runways and doing something different and mixing up proportions in a way that feels like high-end or interesting or conceptual art, but also it doesn't feel labored. Like Like there's never a moment in the back where she's like, are the judges even going to get this? I'm going to freak out and self-sabotage now. And, like, I feel like Gottmik is so effortlessly a standout on the runway without, like, trying too hard or seeming too stressed. I thought what was so brilliant about this was it was, like, it's very... The black-white thing is so on brand for Gottmik, but it's usually geometric, and now it's circles, and so there's this, like, Dalmatian or Corella de Ville association that, like, ties in neatly so it's... It's so on brand, but also different. The wig, I thought, I honestly thought the wig was the perfect choice because it was just the right level of feeling a little like show poodle. And the way that she was able to keep the hard lines, like I cannot say enough about this look. I like was gagging the yeah. whole time it yeah. walked the runway. I know I'm hyperbolic on this, no, like, no, it was but beautiful. I want drag to make me feel exactly what this dress made me feel and it was fun it was it was that it's that thing it was so fun that it's just it was so fun totally um sorry i like no this is a safe space you can be honest about your feelings um um so valkyrie next we have candy muse in what i thought was an interesting number what did you think um it looks like she got stuck in a children's play tent and couldn't get out uh can i share my bitchy thought always it it made her look like ginger minge like the shape and the hair it looked like she was it looked like she was doing ginger minge for her snatch game you're not wrong but i i don't i'm not like and that's terrible but um you're not wrong I, well i'll um, say this i don't think that was intentional <laughs> agreed um I thought it was fun in how it experimented with shapes and fabrics and things. It's not what I would have chosen. Hearing her monologue about it, I get it. I do. I commend her willingness to use less common materials and silhouettes for things. Yeah. Making, wearing more things that look like conceptual art. Um, I like that. I want drag queens to do that. I don't think she always succeeds in having it feel right for the runway but it was my f- least favorite look but i commend it yes yeah, i didn't say here it. it was one of those like normally i hate that much sheer on sheer it tends to just look mushy to me but i'm like i get what you're going for like it's certainly more successful than last week's pocket look um and and, and I, I agree i appreciate that she's taking big swings this is one of the better iterations of those big swings, so I get all that. But yeah, in the end, I'm kind of like, this is still my least favorite on the runway, but it's not like I think it's bad, bad. Yeah, no, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, like, looking at everyone else, knowing what the category is, this just doesn't seem to fit for me. I agree. I will say this is, even after my mean comment, this is probably one of my favorite Candy Muse looks from the season. I think it fit her well. There was a shape and a silhouette to it. Um, the color combination was just really weird to me and is probably what I'm reacting against the most. And Yeah, also, the color combination isn't great. And, like, one of those contrast colors needs to go in order for it to work in my mind. Yeah, go on, sorry. I think that's where I'm getting the children's play tent reference to is, totally. like, the bright yellow colors. Um, but it, like... It makes sense. She wore it well. You could tell she liked it, which I think is is a huge thing on the runway. If you're comfortable Completely. and you enjoy it, it's gonna look different. Uh, but it's like 
It was clearly my least favorite look of the night. I, I get all that. Um, so next we have Rosé in this tartan, like, high drag ball gown moment with the little, oh my god, I've worn kilts for family weddings. I forget what you call that little thing you put in front of your crotch, the but she's sporin. carrying it like, the sporin, and she's carrying it like a clutch. Um, Ursula, what did you think of Rosé's look? She, she has the same problem with proportion as always. There's some, like, I get that it's like pleated tartan so it shouldn't fit like a slinky little dress that would look weird with the material and it should be like pleated and layered and all that and that's fine but there's something about the fit over her waist and bust that is just so thick it like she's not as thick as this dress implies she is and there's something about the way it's constructed that just the proportions are off for me okay i i think that it there is something about it where it feels just a little too heavy or, like, a little too big on her. Yeah. Um, where I wish it was taken up, like, an inch, and I wish it was taken in at the waist an inch. And it did feel a little like this would look on Tina Burner the way I think Rosé wanted it to look on her. Like, it's just a little too big for her. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, And also the wig, I feel like she wanted it to be fantastical thick like celtic redheaded girl brave vibes and instead it just felt really weighted down in the front and like i could see the like can of hairspray just holding like two wigs together to get that weight over there like that it it i feel like she wanted almost like a fantasy scottish girl and something about the the heaviness of the wig and the heaviness of the dress it felt like too big for her to get there. I I honestly like I'm not saying this is a read. Tina Burner is a slightly taller and like wider person than her, and I honestly feel like this would like this whole thing on Tina Burner would have the right proportions that I think it like Rosé wanted it to have yeah. to look right. Yeah. Um also I'm going to say this. I get that this is the most classic tartan, but in a way it's like least impactful. I would have chosen like it kind of mutes it altogether. And I would have chosen like a beautiful, like deep blue charton pattern or something. Cause I think it would be more, it would still read as very Scottish and it would be um, more visually impactful. Yeah. It feels predictable, which isn't good or bad. Uh, um, Not at this point. <laughs> and, but it, it also like, it didn't seem glamorous to me. And totally like I, and I think most of that is in the styling choices, not yeah. in the dress itself. Like, and I agree with everything both of you you have just shared, but it's there. There wasn't that elevated. Not that it needs to be sparkling, but I didn't get a sparkle from Rosé in this dress, and it might also be totally. how she wore it. Like, she was so serious, and that I don't know what that makeup was, but it was not. The working. makeup was bad. The makeup was bad on Rose this week, especially in and this I, look. I guess I saw some fun in that dress, like the the pleating and the symmetricalness, and there was no fun in Rose. She was not joyful at all in like walking the runway in it, and it would have worked way better if she was more. If it was a more vibrant color tartan, and she was more joyful in carrying it. I think that would have done so much to sell this more. I was, I don't know. Like, I want to like it more than I, yeah. I feel like my constant theme with Rosé is I want to like it and her more than I do. Yeah, thousand percent. Um, so next we have Simone. I, I stand- also, about Rosé, yeah. I don't understand those gloves and why they're like, they're like a lacy black flower. They definitely pattern. felt like they were in contrast to the dress. Like, I think gloves were a good idea. I think there needed to be like a non-pattern contrast area to help make that dress pop. Those gloves yeah. were not it. No, they weren't. I honestly think like white satin, like gloves of like, you know, elbow length or something would have actually had the impact she wanted those to have. Instead, they felt mismatched and a little like because it's a darker fabric, it's sort of it's both contrast and gets lost, yeah. which is like, oh, honey, that's like a hard one to nail. That's a hard error to nail. Um, so next we have Simone standing at the edge of end of a runway in what first at first to me looks like a poofy 
gown and then she separates her arms to show she's actually wearing a very sleek form-fitting floor-length dress with sleeves that are so long they touch the ground what did you guys think of this look i i died it was beautiful just uh i i think she definitely she nailed the um the brief exactly okay yeah it was valkyrie what'd you think it was gorgeous by far my favorite of all the looks on the runway i loved how she her wig how glamorous it was but also how like such a traditional black hairstyle that you don't see i loved that in these these gowns that often and it like it brought it to a different place um i the sleeves just made me so happy um i i will say my one critique which is a minor tiny critique is her head had so many jewels and sparkly and gorgeous things on it. I wish there was some other element of sparkle down her body to tie yeah. it in, like be it a giant ring or her shoes. It's just or it would a necklace. There was a yeah. little disconnect between her head and the dress because there was so much going on in the wig and her giant earrings and nothing in in the dress. Yeah, no, I see that. I liked that it was two classic silhouettes paired together in a way that's like mixing with proportions. I thought that was a fun take. And it's, if you know me, this is, to me, is a beautiful color. The most iconic thing about what Simone did was bringing in a, like a very traditionally black hairstyle in a way that made it like a glamorous hairstyle when it's like not supposed to be a glamorous hairstyle. Um, it's like a hairstyle that's almost like the idea is you really shouldn't wear that to a formal event and that's like problematic. I like that Simone constantly ties in and celebrates and lifts black culture in her drag. Like I like how central she that is to her and I just, I love that she did that. Um, no, it's, it's I agree beautiful. with you. Some sparkle elsewhere would have really tied it together and I think I think that would have made it significantly more impactful on the runway. I, I agree with you. And uh, and for me, like not to not to belabor the point and how much we love her hair, but we do. Um, there was something about the way the the effect of the lines of jewels m- gave it like that, like Josephine Baker finger wave look. Yeah, which was just like oh god, like like so technically, I think stop. It was a moment where it was like stop being so perfect. Right. It's like, like you've you're actually, doing two things at once. Right, you've yeah. managed to incorporate two iconic black hairstyles. How did you do that? Are you a witch? Yeah. Just <laughs> and let's hope so. Um, okay, so Rue announced that they are actually going to have a top four um, in the call. Oh, wait, no, this is a lip sync. Yeah, yeah, they did the four-way lip sync, which, okay, I like the idea of them doing the lip sync one at a time to prevent the crowding issues, but they should have had them off stage while the others were doing it because that would have made it more like a competition. Watching the other girls who get to go first is just information. Like, the whole point is to separate you out. But if I know what the other three girls did, I know what I have to do to be different. And that's not the same thing. Because this show concerns itself with fairness. Yeah, I, I'm taking no- I'm, I'm writing a sternly worded letter. Um, I love the song, though. The song made me very happy. And then Simone... If what was this, the song again? I know it was a Whitney song. It was, it was the remix of Whitney Houston's I Learned From The Best. A song I absolutely like melted the cassette tape of on my Walkman in late high school, early college. So I'm sure. Um, and then Simone, Simone won the lip sync, the show, the season, the world, the universe. When she pulled out that Whitney Houston, like sweat. She, rag. Oh my I God. I love that. I was watching that with my husband who is a baby. And he was like, what's with that rag? And I was like, she's giving you Whitney. And it was, it was so funny. It's, it, there's, there's like a, there's a great piece of advice about impersonation where you don't have to impersonate everything. You have yeah. to impersonate one thing really well and everything else will go with. If you show me everything but the sweat rag, I'm like, I would not immediately go, Oh, she looks like Whitney Houston. When she was dabbing herself, I'm like, she really looks like Whitney Houston. It was so yeah. my brain like rounded up to be like, this might be the most flawless Whitney impersonation I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> no, completely. Completely. I, yeah. I, I second all that. My oh. husband did not understand it either. And I was like, no, that's the most genius thing Simone has done. The <laughs> this entire was, season. this was the same. And both of you know, my <laughs> husband is like a super fan of drag in this show. He was confused by what she was doing. He also, he had parents 
we're only a few years apart, but his parents were like very protective with media. So I feel like in many ways, our media age difference is like a decade. He had no idea. I was like, no, it's genius. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I loved that. I thought the other girls did a good job doing it. Um, but I definitely feel like Simone was a standout in that way. Um, so then Rue does the call forward of, and it's very unclear what's happening, but it's clear that there's going to be a top four. So, um, and that little moment happens. What did you guys think of that whole non-reveal reveal moment? It, it was, I mean, it was written on the walls. It was written on the floors. It was written on a piece of paper and sent to you by certified mail. It was just, we all knew that was coming. Um, it also was pointless that they left Simone for last. Like, you yeah. have no suspense. Right, you clearly right. Like, are going left to right, and the winner of the episode is the last person in that line. Like, I think it would have been great if they did that with Candy. Yeah, then it yes. would have actually felt like something. Or, yes. Like, when they called... When, or yeah. Rosé, honestly. Because yeah. Rosé would have looked like a cracked mirror yeah, in when the back she, of her mind. When she, calls, when she calls Gottmik, you're like, okay, this is the people going. She calls Candy, and it's like, well, now it's all four. Or, can't uh, like, I either they're all four going, or we're doing some other thing with Candy to mess with her. But then it's like, you're not sending Simone home. The world would be burned down. You would wake up tomorrow and see your city in flames. And right. Oh yeah, down. no, there, there's no suspense that that was the last one. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. You, and, and, um, it's what we were. It's what we were saying earlier in the episode. It's just they're writing against themselves. Even if you want to get to this point, there's a better path to take to actually infuse completely. it with the energy and let some of this unfold organically. I agree. I agree. Okay. Now here's. I do have a follow-up question. If there was a winner for this episode. For you two, who would be the winner of this episode? Simone. Yeah, I think Simone has to take it. I think Gottmik was the best in the video, but Simone was best overall. By, okay. by it a... would definitely be Gottmik for me because I Gottmik's look was one of my favorites like ever in the history of the show. I loved Simone's look. I loved Gottmik's look even more. And I feel like Gottmik had the most impact in the music video. Um, Simone did the best in the lip sync, but for me, Gottmik would definitely win this episode. It, I mean, it was close. Like, Gottmik did an amazing job. Like, it, it certainly certifies that I think the real the real championship round is Simone versus Gottmik, however that shakes out. Uh, so let me ask the reverse. Who, who would you send home? I would still say, like, I think Candy did fine. She did very well tonight, but certainly not enough to, like, jump over the deficit I think she had going into this episode. If we were going to send someone home, I would say Candy. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, I do, Rose, it was actually one of Rose's weakest performances ever for me, but I'd still keep her over Candy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. yeah, I agree. So, Hersla, did I know you're very, it's neck and neck. For you, it is Simone. Who would take this episode? For this episode, uh, maybe, it, maybe it is just that. Can I tell you, I am shocked. I was sure your answer to that question would be Gottmik. Oh, no, no. Gottmik did an amazing job. Here's the thing. It, it might be the perfect storm of one of my favorite Whitney Houston songs uh, with just a truly uh, subtly iconic pull in that lip sync. Like, it, yeah. It just, if she... Had... Oh, no, that got me. And Simone's definitely my number two. It's just between the the music video, the runway, and the podcast interview, I felt oh, like... Oh, yeah. No, I just... Well, I'll say this. I'm ha- I'm happy for both of them. Like, um, it, it. it was very close. It was very close, but I think I would still edge it to Simone. Okay. Uh, uh, just, but... Uh, no, you you do you. I just, I yeah. really wasn't expecting that answer yeah. from you. Um, oh, do, do, do we want to talk about the baby photo thing? Do we need to... <laughs> are we... Sure. I, I enjoyed that RuPaul got in front of the social media outrage. Valkyrie just shook her set head and mouth no okay, we, to the baby photo. We do thing. not need to talk. We're, we're doing it. We're in it. We're okay. in it. Mom. No, but, like, you can't say anything different that hasn't been said in that portion. Like, I, it's cute. It's sweet. I love seeing them as the kids. The Gottmik moment was actually good and important yeah, for Ru. Yeah, and I, I, love that, I love that Ru was getting in front of the outcry. Gottmik gave us permission to use this. And I'm like, okay, we get it. We get it. We get it. Oh, and it wasn't, it wasn't like... <laughs> three-year-old you know Cade it was like your three-year-old self your two-year-old self it was not it was never um like he wasn't using childhood names yeah 
very intentional language today, most yeah. particularly with God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I felt a little bad for Simone. Not bad for Simone, but like Simone it clearly stepped on something and S- Simone was going through it for a minute. And I don't know, it got me a little bit, but it was like, also like, I, I agree, Valkyrie, I agree with you. These are very trite at this point. They they don't say anything new. But I also felt like this just doesn't feel like the forum to have Simone walk through all of these things. Just, you're going to ruin that woman's mascara and that's not fair. Um I do. I did appreciate this. To me, this would be such an emotional and stressful experience. I think winning four challenges on some level, Simone knew she was a front runner, and now it's like everybody's waiting to see if she trips. And I think that got her. I think she came in a little in her head. I think being so successful so much early on in the season got her a little in her head, and she knew she had some weak points. And I think that just listening to everybody else going through this and thinking about how she was going to respond. She was crying before Rue asked. And I, I honestly, I, I sympathized with her greatly in, in the way that Rue always talks about, like, but a star shows some vulnerability. Like Simone is so much, but she's, she's also very vulnerable and like aware of her flaws, but also so good. Um, which is, very relatable for a winner. I mean, this edit is all telling me that Simone's going to win. But yeah. obviously at this point, I'm very like... I feel kind of the way I did with um, Shea Coulee and Sasha Valor at the end of season nine, where it was like, I was 100% Shea and like 99% Sasha. So it wasn't... It was a little like when the, the upset happened, it's like, well, I want both of them to win on some level. So the fact that one of them did is good. And I, I sort of, I think I've gotten there with Gottmik and Simone yeah. over this season. So, all right. I think that's it for this season. Valkyrie, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Always a delight. Yes. Always. Next time we'll have you on a real episode. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I, I was hoping this would be, yeah, no, we need to have you on the, on the podcast just more. Um, but thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, Hersla, thank you for always being such a delightful uh, and loquacious co-host. An opportunity to talk? I'm not going to miss that. Come on. This is true. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I've been Condé Nasty. I'm Hersla the Sea Bitch. Bye. Bye.